So Ravi Zacharias died earlier this year in May of 2020, I believe, from cancer. And Ravi Zacharias, for those of you who don't know who Ravi is, was a Christian apologist, and he has been active, has had a ministry called RZIM, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, and active for, I think, up to four decades, and personally had a huge effect on my life with his apologetics and with the many lectures and the Q&A sessions that he would have, especially he would go to college campuses and just basically sit up there on stage and allow anybody to come up and ask him anything related to the Bible and the Christian faith. And he would defend it so succinctly and so well. And he had great charisma. He was well-spoken, very educated, and represented Christ and Christianity well. Unfortunately, after his death, allegations came out regarding Ravi Zacharias and sexual misconduct uh, surrounding some spas that he owned in the Atlanta area, Atlanta, where his, where I believe he made his home and where his ministry, uh, Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, was located. Now, apparently there was indeed fire behind the smoke, and it has been confirmed by none other than the RZIM that Ravi did indeed engage in some sexual misconduct. Now, we don't know the full details yet, and while this is a sad story and a sad day for Christianity to find out this about a well-known and renowned uh, minister of the gospel and apologist for Christianity. There's still much we can learn from this and even how we can still balance condemning what Ravi Zacharias did while still maintaining that he was a huge blessing to many people and the kingdom of God. <laughs> All right, what's going on everybody? Jason Modar here. Thank you so much for swinging by to my YouTube channel, checking out today's video. And for those of you listening on podcasting platforms and on audio, welcome to you as well. So to start out, what I want to do is I want to read the statement released on December 23rd, so about four or five days ago, by Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, and let you know what they said and then give my comments on the news that these allegations of his sexual misconduct were indeed true. So here is from their release. In August 2020, allegations of sexual misconduct were made against our founder, Ravi Zacharias. Unfortunately, Ravi had died several months before we first learned of these allegations, so we were unable to explore them with him directly. We engaged Miller & Martin PLLC to investigate these allegations, while also giving them wide latitude to go wherever their investigation might lead them. We have also repeatedly stated our intention not to comment on the investigation until receiving a final report on it. However, while the investigation remains ongoing and is not expected to be completed until January or February, yesterday we received a brief interim update on the investigation we felt we needed to share. Sadly, the interim investigation update indicates this assessment of Ravi's behavior to be true, that he did indeed engage in sexual misconduct. This misconduct is deeply troubling and wholly inconsistent with the man Ravi Zacharias presented both publicly and privately to so many over more than four decades of public ministry. We are heartbroken at learning this, but feel it is necessary to be transparent and to inform our staff, donors, and supporters at this time, even while the investigation continues. We will speak more comprehensively to all concerned after the completion of the investigation. We are devastated for those who have suffered from Ravi's misconduct and for the pain that they are enduring. They have asked for confidentiality and anonymity, and both we and the investigators are committed to honoring their wishes. 
This preliminary statement is not intended to cut short the investigation or predict its full outcome. We want to ensure the investigators have appropriate time and space to complete their work and allow all those who may still desire to have a voice in this process to do so. We ask for continued patience as we complete a lengthy process of investigating serious allegations. RZIM will publicly release the Miller and Martin report as given to the board as soon as possible after the investigation is complete. In the meantime, we share your compassion for any victims of this conduct, and we appreciate your prayers for them and also for Robbie's family, who have been devastated by this information. As ever, the Lord remains our principal hope for healing and restoration. So if you're interested in reading that for yourself, I'll leave a link to it in the description box below. And that statement from RZIM also includes a link to the Miller and Martin interim report. And the Miller and Martin interim report is pretty short. It's about a page long and basically has the content of what RZM, RZIM put out here in their own statement. So there's obviously a lot to say about this. There's a lot you could say about this, and there's a lot that people have really already said about this, both positively and negatively, going after Ravi Zacharias and rightfully going after him and then going after him unnecessarily and praising Ravi Zacharias and perhaps people even unnecessarily uh, defending him or un unrightfully, unrighteously, unjustly defending uh, his actions. So I want to break this down and talk about it from four distinct perspectives, um, where our hope is actually found um, that there is indeed a biblical precedence for admiring uh, human beings, that this doesn't negate the impact Ravi had for the kingdom, and then lastly, this notion that not everybody should teach, not everybody should be in a public role of ministry like Zacharias was. So first, let's talk about how our hope is found in Christ alone and not in men. So ultimately, the foundation for why we Christians believe what we believe and where our hope is placed is in Jesus Christ. So if somebody like Ravi Zacharias comes along, builds up this massive and amazing ministry, but then has a moral failing like this, a major public moral failing like this, then we're not going to be rocked off of our foundation because our foundation is Jesus Christ. We'll be saddened by it will be disappointed by it, will be grieved by it, angered by it, whatever the case may be, but we'll still remain Christians and we'll still remain dedicated followers of Christ because we follow Christ, we don't follow Ravi Zacharias. Paul warns about having man-made followers and leaders in at the beginnings of 1 Corinthians. When he admonishes the Corinthians, we're saying, that some of them are saying, I am of Paul, I am of Apollos, I am of Cephas. It's not about being of a certain individual. Not that you can't admire and appreciate and to an extent follow people, but if the main person you're following is Ravi Zacharias instead of Christ, then yeah, you're going to likely have a crisis of faith when this happens and he ends up being guilty of some sort of sexual misconduct. So people who place their... who People who their reaction to this is, well, I'm leaving Christianity because of this, or somebody who's a skeptic or an atheist, basically a non-Christian saying, well, this pushes me away. This is just continued hypocrisy. That the responsibility for them not believing is on them. They're still going to face, they still have God's wrath upon them. They don't have Christ to take that wrath. They're still going to face that judgment on judgment day for not bowing the knee to Christ on this side of eternity. So the bur the responsibility and the burden is still on them, even though Ravi is uh, Ravi is guilty of doing exactly what he did. It's still on you, the individual believer, to place your hope in Christ and to have that be the foundation, not on a human being like Ravi. Now, 
that doesn't obviously absolve Ravi of what he did, but we'll get to that point in a moment. So the second point I want to touch on now is it's biblical that men and women can be worth admiring and imitating. So for instance, in the book of 1 Corinthians, so at the end of chapter 10, after Paul has gone through and has basically talked about Christians' consciences and respecting one another's consciences and not wanting to sin or offend people based upon their consciences. So basically, if somebody, for instance, I believe the example that Paul uses here is, or at least maybe in the in the passage in Romans where he also talks about believers in conscience is, so for instance, if somebody has meat sacrificed to an idol and that really bothers your brother in Christ, then you need to respect your brother in Christ's conscience and not try to like push them to eat meat sacrificed to idols. If they, It's not a sin to eat meat sacrificed to idols, but if they believe it is, if their conscience tells them it is, then you need to honor their conscience. So that would be an example. I would say a modern example of that would be the whole mask thing. If you, we need to respect and honor people's consciences. If your conscience tells you, hey, look, I'm not sinning by not wearing a mask, you need to respect that. Or if somebody's conscience says, hey, I feel like if I don't put one on that I'm sinning, then we need to honor people's consciences and not force those opinions on us, not force non-sin issues and make them biblical primary issues. So he sets that whole thing up. And then Paul, at the end of 1 Corinthians 10, says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many, that they may be saved. And then the very first verse of chapter 11, which piggybacks off of the end of 10, Paul says, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. So we have Paul, a human being, a sinner just like Ravi Zacharias, also a Christian just like Ravi Zacharias. We have Paul saying, hey, look look how I act as a Christian. Imitate me as I am going about imitating Christ. And then we also have Hebrews chapter 11, which is nicknamed the Hall of Faith. So we have people talking about Abraham and Isaac and Joseph and Jacob and Rahab and several of the judges about how they, and other people, about how they displayed great faith in Christ. Now, they wrap that up at the beginning of Hebrews 12 by talking about then let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. So while there's room for admiring people and imitating men and women as they imitate Christ, that's biblical for that. Ultimately, our faith rests again, going back to point number one on Jesus. So yes, the foundation, of course, is Christ, but there's still a biblical precedent and setting for us to be able to um, admire and look up to and imitate men and women who are following Christ and are following him in a worthy way and in, his, in a way that's worthy of imitation. So let's move on to number three, a bit of a change of gears here. So let's talk about the truthfulness and the impact of his teaching. So this doesn't change the the truth of what he said or the impact of the teaching that Ravi made. In fact, it would be a logical fallacy to say that because he's a hypocrite or because he has the sexual misconduct that what he said isn't true or that somehow the impact that he's had on you no longer is valid or valuable. Again, I could understand how it would hurt you and how it would pain you and it would be devastating to hear this. I mean, it was devastating to me to find out that this guy did this at the end of his life. Um, but this doesn't take away from the solid arguments that he set forth in defense of the 
Christian faith. It doesn't take away the truthfulness of his teaching. So if you're going to attempt to negate Ravi's arguments based off of his character, you're making fa- logical fallacies, you're making forms of ad hominems, you're, you're going after his behavior rather than the argument. So don't let somebody tell you that just because the guy did had sexual misconduct and had this hypocritical the hidden sin and hidden behavior, while that's bad and should be admonished and should be rebuked and should be, you know, brought to light. And kudos, by the way, to RZIM for not hiding this. Like it seems like so many people would be would tend to do. They're being very transparent and forthright. And and I can really appreciate that they would do that. But that doesn't take away from the truthfulness of his teaching. All right, I think we get the point there. And so number four, the last point, but even though this doesn't take away from the impact of his teaching, not everybody should teach. So in the book of James, uh, James says in James chapter three, verses one to two, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And then James chapter three, this is famous passage in James where he talks about how the tongue is something that uh, can guide our whole life. It's like a um, it's like a rudder on a ship. It's very small, but it controls the whole ship. And the tongue is also like a fire that can you know consume uh, by even such a small fire. So it's important to watch your tongue. Uh, but nonetheless, we can still take from the beginning of this, this notion that not everybody should be a teacher, or at least in the case of Ravi Zacharias, the ideal situation. And I get it. As James says, you know, for we all stumble in many ways, the ideal situation for Ravi is the, the first time he, whatever it was, went and visited a spa, got a massage, and then got a little something-something after the massage. The first time he did that, he should have confessed his sin of adultery, should have gone to his wife, should have gone to his ministry. It still would have been devastating, and it still would have been tough, but the negative impact would have been far, far lessened. Plus, it's there's a strong chance that if he admits that sin, brings it to the light, he doesn't continue to sin. So when this full report comes out, who knows how ugly this is going to get? Who knows how bad things got? Now, I'm not saying it's sexual abuse. We don't know if there was any abuse. It just, from what it sounds like right now, there was consensual misconduct, but it could be worse. And if he would have just immediately repented of it, then it wouldn't have gone on further and further. It would have been a whole lot less of a mess. It may have still damaged him personally, but there would have been less victims of his sin, including you know just damaging his own soul, his own pers- his own character, and the damage that you know his wife and, and any of his children would feel from this as well. And this is actually a situation I I can relate to. And yeah, he he didn't you know admit it right away, but he should have admitted it and confessed it sooner. So. I had a situation many, many years ago when I was a youth pastor, and I had previously in my life I had, I had a porn addiction and had gotten uh, freed from it, away from it, uh, praise be to God. But then the uh, desire uh, to look at pornography and that sin within me was was still there, and that temptation uh, was still one that was around, and I gave into it. And I'm not going to call it a mistake or a stumbling. No, I sinned. I sinned by lusting after, you know, women who I was not married to, which is, you know, anybody who I see on a pornography site. And I did that, and I did it a handful of times and kept it secret sin while I was a youth pastor. And I felt really guilty about it, and rightfully so. The Holy Spirit was convicting me of that sin that I deliberately committed and hid, 
Um, but I, I didn't want it to become again what it used to be in my life, which was this secret compulsive daily sin. It hadn't become that yet, but it was in danger of becoming that. So I went to my pastor, told him what happened. I eventually ended up, after I told him the next day, I ended up resigning my post as a youth pastor, and that was the right thing to do. Now, I should have done it earlier, but I thank God that I did it as soon as I did, or it could have been that much worse. It, it could have morphed from, you know, lusting in my mind and my heart to physically doing, you know, literally God knows what. So this is something that I can, in a sense, relate to Ravi with, and it's just... And I'm not saying that I am better than Ravi for doing this, but I, th I believe that a lot more heartache and difficulty and sin was spared for me confessing my sin when I did and not being caught, but volunteering, but volunteering it, hey, I did this. And with Ravi, he got caught and it's postmortem, so he can't talk about it. There's no way for him to defend himself. And it just, the situation was that much worse. And like I said, if he would have, from the very first time he did it, confessed, who knows how much more heartache and pain could have been spared from him doing that. Uh, so, I mean, the, the minute he realized that, he should have said, look, I'm not in a position right now where I'm qualified to be a teacher. Even though First Timothy 3 and Titus 1 talk about elders, uh, it's a good corollary for people just in Christian ministry in general. He would have failed those standards in First Timothy 3 and Titus 1, and he should have stepped away, at least for a time, and and repented and stepped away from the ministry that he was doing. And that's that's what I did, stepped away from a time, and I haven't gone back into any sort of formal pastoral ministry, but I am now teaching uh, in in Christian education, and I believe uh, rightfully now I fulfill the requirements of 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, or else I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. That would be very hypocritical. Well, I think that's all that we have for today. Uh, I want to thank you all so very much for swinging by and checking out today's uh, video. It is uh, never fun to have to talk about stuff like this, but it's important to get it out there and for Christians to be honest with themselves and be honest with the faith and when people fall and fail and to remember who our hope is ultimately fixed on and who our foundation is, and that is, of course, Jesus Christ. So I would uh, ask you to join me in praying for Ravi's family, for his ministry, and certainly for anybody, uh, if there are victims, uh, anybody involved with him uh, in the sin, whether they were consensual or whether they were victims, to be praying for these individuals. So thank you again for swinging by. If you're enjoying the content, if you could please give it a subscribe, a like, and a share, and have a great day.